Welcome to the Strength and Power Podcast. This is your host, Justin Blatnick. And if you are a, we're not going to say long time, but repetitive listener, you're going to notice that this is a new intro as I have had to go mobile. And this is now on a laptop. I'm reusing a laptop as a mobile recording studio. So if there are some issues with this, please bear with me and we'll do the best we can. So the reason being is this COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, situation has not treated me well. Uh, Right now the gym is closed and that's where my quote-unquote air quotes podcast studio is set up. And I've done everything on the computer there at the gym, so I'm having to improvise. I'm picking up some odd jobs. We're having to do what we can, but the show must go on. So if you're new to the show, please make sure you go subscribe to the show and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. I read some reviews in the last episode and I haven't checked this episode, so we'll have to catch up maybe next one. Also, if you haven't yet, find us on social media at Strength Empire Podcast on, I believe, Facebook and Instagram, especially Instagram, as well as make sure you follow our gym, Strength Empire Gym, at Strength Empire Gym, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., all those. And you can email us if you really, really, really want to email me at strengthempirepodcast at gmail.com or strengthempiregym at gmail.com. They both come to me. And I'm really excited about this episode. This is number seven of season one. We are well on our way to almost wrapping this season up. Uh, This first season is all strength athletes or crossover strength athletes, as I've used that term as well. Basically, strength athletes that have excelled in multiple disciplines, whether it's powerlifting and strongman, powerlifting and highland games, strongman and highland games, weightlifting and CrossFit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's been really fun to talk with these athletes and people and coaches that have been able to perform in multiple disciplines of what I consider the strength sports. And we have three more episodes to go after this one. So I'm doing a 10-episode season for this first season of the podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far. Today's guest is a longtime training partner, a longtime firefighter, Garrett Huffman from Hickory, North Carolina. He was uh, one of my first training partners when I got into strength sports, specifically with powerlifting. We got into coaching one another, traveling with one another. So this episode, we talked powerlifting, CrossFit, NASCAR, weightlifting, coaching, and bomb out. Ooh, actually, fun fact, Garrett and I, and you'll hear in this episode, actually, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. And we're rolling, and today's guest is Garrett Huffman. Garrett, thanks for taking some time out of your crazy schedule to sit down with me today, man. You're welcome, bud. So, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we just caught up a little bit before we got, quote-unquote, live on the air, and... Uh, it's been crazy with this coronavirus situation, but what kind of, if you had to sum it up, what are you doing now and what's maybe training like now? Uh, so training for me is I go into my basement for about an hour, four to five days a week. Um, it's not really soundproof. The baby still sleeps upstairs. Um, the dogs, everything kind of keep everybody quiet. I do. I have cut out Olympic lifting for now. Um, kind of doing some powerlifting, uh, a deadlift in the driveway. So it's not loud. There you go. Um, so I'm hitting more of the powerlifting stuff again. Um, okay. doing a little, doing a lot more powerlifting accessory work and then just supplementing with some, um, baseline cardio stuff on my salt bike. That's pretty go. much, it's more of a, a maintenance until we, uh, figure out what's going to happen with the coronavirus. Cause until this hit, I was able to go to the gym um, and do an hour and a half or so, uh, really just do whatever I wanted. I'm not really training for anything specifically right now okay. uh, because I've had 
I mean, if you want to get technical, like four major life events in a, in a year and a half. So true. Yeah. We're so what, just trying. So what are you doing um, now for work? Like what's, what's so, quick, how do you describe what you're doing for work? So a year ago, um, I was a deputy fire chief, um, for a small town fire department that I, on Feb- February 17th, became the emergency management coordinator for Alexander County in North Carolina. Okay. Um, so what's that kind of, how's that big differ and change? What's your life changed like because of those two different jobs? So spending over a year at a, in an admin position, um, even though I was still, I was still part of the firefighting force, uh, I spent a lot of time doing admin work and learning the ins and outs of um, government and procurement, expenditures, um, FEMA, all that stuff. And I had this, I've had this inkling in in burning for a long time that I wanted to be, ever since I was probably 18, I I remember telling someone that I wanted to be the fire marshal in Alexander County. so the fire marshal's position is still still occupied, but the assistant fire marshal's position came open, as well as the emergency management position. Okay. Um, so it is a combined position, um, but most of what I do on a daily is emergency management based. Um, so still kind of admin related. Versus, I knew, how long were you, you were a firefighter before moving into the fire uh, deputy chief position. How long were you a firefighter for? So, I was a firefighter at Hickory for 11 years, city of Hickory. Um, I worked up from backseat firefighter to a driver operator and eventually a fill-in fire officer, a fill-in captain. Okay. Um, So, being a fill-in, I learned a lot of the duties. Um, I went, finished a degree in emergency in fire protection technology and then a secondary degree in emergency preparedness technology. Mm-hmm. So I've got two associate degrees. Okay. Um, so I kind of learned that I wanted to do more of this stuff gotcha. and got a lot of the fire officer stuff out of the way. I've got a North Carolina fire officer three certification. Um, so all of that combined um, when this position came open, I mean, basically my dream job and yeah. it was everything was there. So I put in for it and, um, I was one of the final candidates and here I am. Awesome, man. So let's go back and obviously, uh, it's been, that's a very crazy life changing schedule. I know you had a baby too, and there's all kinds of stuff that's been going on, you know, as us being personal friends, we don't need to get into that stuff. So I want to talk about your strength sport career. If you go back what got you started, and what what sport did you kind of get started in? So I got started in powerlifting, two thousand six or two thousand seven. Okay, um, I don't really remember what year it was. Um, then I got into geared lifting because of our mutual friend Derek Wilcox, who and I, who went to high school with me. Okay, um, we've been close friends for a long time. Um, he encouraged me to try. He was my guest last episode. Yeah, I I saw the episode. So, um, so he kind of encouraged it a little bit Mm -hmm. said he thought that I had the build for it. And, um, you and I know the term, but I became known as a gear whore because I was, I I made a lot out of nothing. Right. Um, I turned to, yeah, I turned about a, a 325 pound raw bench into a 605 single ply bench. 
So a lot of people, people who know those numbers know what that means. Yeah. Um, I had a, the most I've ever squatted in competition in gear was a, an 840 squat that was negated because I bombed on deadlift. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a story. Yes, so tell yes, me, talk it, me through, uh, talk me through that meet. Talk me through that meet. Oh, Lord. So obviously I bombed <laughs> on the day before. God, that was such a long week. You and I traveled together and in the tiniest we the bar I've ever been in. Yep, we decided yep, we borrowed my mom's Ford Fiesta. Yep. Um we traveled, just the two of us. Nobody wanted to come handle no, nobody or it wasn't that they didn't want to, so they couldn't. Everybody was busy. Um so we just decided to deal with it. We're gonna go anyways. We paid. It's the first time that the XPC was held in columbus the week of the arnold and we both made it in so we said why not let's do it um i remember barely making weight um at a, at a 181 mm-hmm. uh i don't cut weight you know that most people know that who know me um i just usually if i cut it's only like three or four pounds yeah it's really nothing big and we, we kind of poorly planned i don't know what happened but i remember being super nervous about not making weight and uh we cut the night before in the bathroom we did some all right well see i lifted on separate days so i did everything a day before you um and it could have been that damn sushi and water you drank the day friday at the you lifted on sunday i lived on saturday and i'll never forget this i've never wanted a glass of water more in my life I, I cut weight that friday and we were at the arnold we were walking around and obviously i can't eat anything that all the supplement companies are giving out and everything and then we go to lunch, and we go get – you got sushi, but there's a fucking glass of water sitting there. And I was like – I didn't even want the sushi, and I love sushi. It was like that stupid glass of water drove me nuts. But I cut that day, and then you handled me the day before – well, you weighed in on Saturday because we went – and you weighed in, and then we went to the meet. And then yeah. I bombed, and then you cut that night. We basically traded places. And uh, then you, you – I mean, you squatted like a monster, man. That's an awesome yeah. squat. I lifted fine. Um, I made all three squats. Um, opened at seven seventy-five, I think, mm-hmm. and then hit eight oh five, which tied my PR. Mm-hmm. And I said, "The hell with it. I needed eight. I needed certain numbers to to beat people to hit. Yeah, to hit. I think it was. A, I think I was aiming for a two grand total. And I wanted the number one. I wanted the number one spot at at the time. The number one spot for one eighty one. So. I knew I needed an 840 squat, and I went for it and got it. I remember um, being so jacked up after you got that. I was like, this is going to be it. This is the day. It's going to happen. I thought, I thought it was it. <laughs> and, um, uh, let's see. Then, you know, it was a long wait before bench. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of got rushed. Um, luckily, I had a plan for a short for a short warm-up. Um, we attacked it pretty well. Um I made my first bench. I don't remember what it was. and missed six. I guess it wasn't technically 605. Something around there because of the kilos or whatever. It was something around that. Um, I think it was like 602 or something. So I added another kilo to make it 605. Um, And I got it on the third attempt. Um, I remember benching in a single ply and everybody thought I was crazy for taking – 
taking three more than three times my body weight on a single ply bench. Uh, <laughs> hit it, and I thought thought it was the day. I thought I thought I had everything made, and then on deadlift I screwed up royally, and I got the conversion wrong on the kilo chart, and thought I was opening in like the mid fives, and turned out to be opening at like six hundred, and I think my all-time PR in, in gear was 635. So I went for my first pull and threw up all over the place. Uh, Brian, Brian, Brian Carroll may not remember this, but he specifically started laughing, pointing at me. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, from, I, I remember I went out. You were starting to feel it in the warm-up room. Like, it was one of those, like, you didn't know what was happening. You couldn't get tight in your last warm-up, and we're like, well, Good luck. And I went out to the head judge and go, you might want to back up a little bit. Sure enough, you come spewing <laughs> about just above your knees yeah. too. It wasn't like it was it wasn't like you didn't get it. It was damn close. Yeah, so I <laughs> reattempted and I think on the second attempt, I, I was so mentally unprepared to pull that I think I barely got it off the floor. Um started feeling like crap even more. Um, I knew there was no way I was going to get a third. So I just, I said, you know what? It's over. Yeah. Uh, so I, would, I withdrew. Yeah. Was that your last competition? That was the last powerlifting competition I did. So same with this guy. So ended uh, on, on that bomb out. Um, so you got into gear lifting. What was training like? Like when you started out with powerlifting, you were powerlifting raw and then how did that evolve and how did you get into geared lifting and, and what did that even look like? Was there a big change there? So the, the group of guys that I started training with, all of them were already training in gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Derek was the one that referred them to me and I had been training at the same YMCA as them when, when we were allowed to train there. <laughs> and he introduced me on a Sunday to them and probably God, four weeks later I was in briefs that Derek had given me. Um, four weeks after that, I was in an old suit that um, Steve Maxson had given me. And then next thing you know, that's all I was doing. So I may have spent, I don't know, two or three months in just raw before I switched to gear. And then I was a geared lifter for five, six years, something like that. Uh, it wasn't very long. Um, not as long as some guys. Then life changed a little bit. Uh, I got out of it for a while. Had planned on going back. Uh, just never did. Yeah. Um, what? Um, so what was your training like when you're, how did you train in gear? And I, and I know a little bit more about like your dedication to that is like you were driving up to train with our group. Um, Cause I started with Derek and I actually, funny story, my first geared lifting experience was actually throwing on a squat suit with no briefs in hickory at that ymca um <laughs> but what yeah. was your training like because you were he was if people don't know garrett was actually like driving up probably like twice a week on average from hickory yeah, soon so, so about a 45 minute drive at least maybe an hour twice a week to come train me and my training partner we decided to split between hickory and boone um so we would handle we would come up if I wasn't on shift. We'd come up on Fridays, yeah, and bench. Um, if we were, if I wasn't on shift, we'd come up on Tuesdays and 
do, I think we were doing speed work mostly. Um, so I'm going to be honest with people and tell them this. And I had no real structure to my training because I followed the lead of you and Derek and Jerry because you were all studying exercise science. And I let myself be a guinea pig to multiple different programming styles. So for me to try to lump it into one style would be um, a disservice to all three of you for. No, it, was, all it stuff. really wasn't me. I was, I was the, I was the follower. I mean, I didn't know shit at that point. It was just like, all right, we're training today. Okay, I'm there. That was really how it started with me. It was following Jared and Derek and, and those guys and their knowledge is, is where I got my start as well. But it was a hell of a fun time, man. It was. We had a lot of fun. Two, two to two and a half hours a day. Um, I knew it was long days that we. We'd be on the road as soon as Joey was available from work. We'd be on the road and hit. We'd be up there by six. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be home till like ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shared. We shared the carpooling duties. But we'd come up at least two days a week. Um, we'd mod. Everyone would modify based around my work schedule, yeah. which helped a lot. Um, I was still doing most of my gear squatting on Sundays in Hickory, um, and basically because of my schedule. What I would do is I would squat one week in briefs only, and then the next week in full gear. Okay. Um, and then on my Sundays off, I would kind of do some raw stuff at work, um, more of a, a deload. So I got more deload than a lot of people did, I think, because of the way my work schedule was. Yeah. I, I guess not more of a deload, but I could alter my training. In the other days, I could I could pick up the intensity and the volume um, where a lot of guys couldn't because they were so consistent and they had a set a set cycle. So I, I designed my cycles modified from what Jared or Derek would give me, and I would modify that to fit my work a day off two day schedule. Gotcha. And what, what do you uh, think led to you being so good in a bench shirt? Uh, append, appendage lengths. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing anybody can train for. <laughs> no, right. Um, biomechanics, physiology. Uh, yeah. A lot of people don't. You know, af- after my time in powerlifting started to to dwindle. So what happened was I got an opportunity to coach high school football. Yeah. And decided to take off from the geared lifting so I could do that. And I got to train a whole bunch of. I got to lift, teach a whole bunch of kids how to lift. And I started to notice a lot of the stuff that was being said to me, why it made sense from, from your aspect. So I was, I was educated by osmosis <laughs> and I used I used everything I learned from my time on the mountain with, with everyone to then develop training programs for a bunch of kids. And we went from a team that could never make the playoffs to a perennial conference power in like three short years. Um, and from there, the school just kind of stayed, stayed a top two team in the conference. Yeah, um, I remember that time been- when you were going through that when you first took that job, and, and we had lots of conversations on, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that with with these kids? And I mean, it definitely molded my my abilities as well as a coach is having to problem solve when it was early in my coaching career to help answer those questions for you as best as I could from like my exercise physiology standpoint. Yeah. And that, that was that was fun. I I really enjoyed doing that. And I had and I had seriously considered uh, 
going back to school for it. And you and I had a lot of conversations about how it's a very long road and it may not have been worth getting out of a secure career to do it full time. So I decided to just do it part time, which led me to um, after coaching, um, I started doing pit crew stuff. Yeah. And um, the need for speed was. You couldn't get it just from powerlifting. Mm -hmm. So I started to do some things that I did not realize were CrossFit as that's all. That's what people know it as. Um, It wasn't called CrossFit quite yet, but I was starting to learn those things. I started inquiring about Olympic lifting. I know you had started doing some um, because you had just graduated about that time and you were starting to work with people. Um, You had Justin Lovingood who had been training uh at attitude nation and i was like i need this to get better at my my jobby mm-hmm. so to get better at working around a, 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 hold on that's my alarm there you go. to get around stuff uh when you got a car coming in at 50 miles an hour how to move quickly so i got a lot of work done in 13 seconds <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you're kind of a, a evolution right now as you kind of went from geared powerlifting and then did you, is this kind of that flow into, all right, you were coaching and then got into, you know, pit crew stuff and you did that pit crew stuff for about a year, year and a half, right? And uh, I did two, two, full years, two full years and then, uh, about a half a season Okay. whenever I met Cher yep. and, uh, um, with her and my schedule and we just didn't. It wasn't, I made a decision that was better to be a family man right? and get to her and, and not do something stupid. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, because again, a car at 50 miles an hour wasn't smart whenever you wanted to have a family and kids. Uh, Sylvie wasn't born yet, so I was trying to make a decision about what I wanted for the future. Yeah. Um, if I had gotten hurt, I could have lost my, I could have lost my full-time career. And I didn't want to make that, make that kind of decision whenever I was, whenever I was single, I didn't care. But yeah, the reward no longer was worth the risk there. I get you. Yep. What, uh, so you were training CrossFit and you started making it into Olympic lifting or like kind of talk me through that. I know you had both those sports kind of have evolved over the past, shoot, it's probably been at least five years now. You were coaching CrossFit, you've coached weightlifting, you've competed in both. What kind of came first, and how did one lead to the other? So it's kind of it kind of all happened kind of at once. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that I needed to get get some Olympic Olympic training and to be better at it, not just do it haphazardly and lift as brute 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 force as possible. I went to CrossFit Hickory, where I knew there was at least one person who could teach me in Hickory. And I trusted Kent Stamey, who owned CrossFit Hickory, because he had qualified for regionals a couple of times and at 46, 47, whatever he was, however old he was at the time. He um, he was a pretty strong little dude. Uh, he was snatching 100 kilos and could clean and jerk about 140 at his age with no proper training. Yeah. Uh, just what he had learned from watching hundreds of hours of YouTube. 
Um, so I went in to talk to him about that, and he tell, tells me that he's trying to get into the fire service um, and wanted me to help him get stronger for the fire service, ironically. All right. So I worked. I made him a deal. I said, all right, I'll help you if you help me. And then um, before I knew it, he was asking me to help coach classes, and uh, I was working with his kids' classes because I had some experience with kids. Right. I started working with his other classes, and then next thing you know, I'm working there pretty much part time, and that's how I met my wife. Um, a mutual friend of ours who was uh, who was working out at CrossFit, um, she came to him about a job, and he said, "Well, I don't really have anything opening, but I know you like to train. You should go meet my friend Garrett." And <laughs> so that's how I met my wife. This is history, huh? So, okay. Thank, thank you to Frankie if he gets to see this. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Well, I'll be listening to it because we're not, we're not, I'm not putting this out in video format. That, oh. I'm, that's way too above my head. <laughs> oh. uh, so you, you got into competing in weightlifting as well and you competed in CrossFit. So talk to me about what your training was like when you're gearing up for those type of competitions. So because of a lot of the stuff that we did in Boone, um, working on energy systems and recovery-based protocol, I kind of learned how to m- manage the CrossFit-style competitive workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew where I could make up make up time when it came to being competitive, so I kind of took a shot in dark and went and did a firefighter-only um, competition in Atlanta and. Um, I guess essentially I was the 20th fittest firefighter in the, in the country based on that competition. And then, um, that was the first competition I did. And I'll be honest, I wasn't really sold on competing. Um, but because I was competing against other firefighters, I kind of, I kind of started to like it. Okay. Um, I think that was the, that was the first time that I really, enjoyed the competitive aspect of it before I was just doing it to be better at all the other stuff. Um, but learning a lot from people in your field prior may gave me an advantage that most people who come in across it don't have. Yeah. And that's just, it's not just exercise for time. Yeah. Uh, when you go ahead as exercise for time or, exercise for competition, then you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. You have to be coached. You have to be led. You have to be, you have to be corrected. You, you have to be informed. And a lot of people in those earlier years of CrossFit, I mean, earlier years, I'm saying like five years ago before the real boom happened, Yeah. right, right when it started to, to really pick up. And that was, um, that was a change for me. I'm not gonna lie. I, I never thought I'd like to compete, and I kind of did. Um, most of the competitions I did after that, though, I did co- partner competitions, um, myself and charity, or a friend here and there. Uh, but mostly just working out with other people. Right. It's not you don't really. That's the one thing about CrossFit competitions that I think a lot of people don't see is, you know, all the other sports are individual. Weightlifting is an individual sport. Powerlifting is an individual sport. Highland Games is an individual competition. Even the MAS 
wrestling that you do is an individual competition. So team CrossFit competitions are the only strength yeah, sport, quote unquote. That brings on team. Yeah, that gives you a little bit of a team aspect. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see most people who do who throw competitions have gotten rid of the individual the individual stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of gone away from that, and even the the best in the business have have either completely switched to team competitions, or uh, they've gotten out of the sport because as an individual, it's not as fun to compete as an individual um, in the sport. So, but still liking the the strength sport. Um, I based most of my training around my Olympic lifting. Um, that's where I really, really enjoyed learning how to get strong again. Uh, it was definitely different. Yeah. So, so what, what, to what point did you get in Olympic lifting? Have you qualified for anything big? And then what are your best numbers that you've hit? So I have qualified for the American Open um, before. I qualified in the year before they went to the way it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just didn't have the money or the time to travel to Florida um, in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't go. Um, I didn't. I've qualified for the series twice and just have never, yeah. again, never had the time. Um, whenever I train, I usually can only train for a competition once a year. So to train multiple times a year for competitions, multiple competitions, just doesn't fit my my work and life schedule right now. Okay. Um, so it's not that I couldn't if I didn't want to. I just haven't had the opportunity and time. But uh, let's see. Best numbers. Um, I've hit a 125 snatch in training. Um, the most I've hit in competition is 121. Okay. I think. Um, I've hit a, in training, I've hit a 155 clean and jerk. In competition, I've hit 150. I've hit 150 a couple of times and failed at 155 just about every single competition I've been at. So realistically, those are, and for a guy that's 180-ish pounds, they're very solid numbers. Like, obviously, they're not, like, we can't say top in the nation, like, because some of those dudes are absolute freaks, and it's unreal. But those are extremely solid numbers for somebody that realistically is doing this, you almost have to say recreationally. You're not, it's not a, you know, oh, yeah. definitely not a full-time job, quote-unquote. There's pretty much nobody in strength sports is doing that except for the top of the top of the top. And... You know, something that you hinted on a little bit that I want to ask you about that kind of relates to those strong numbers is that you and I had a lot of conversations when we were, you know, about how to get you better at CrossFit when you were doing some of those competitions. And we really did a pretty good job about breaking down. And I've talked to a lot of people about this is breaking down the the events that you're exposed to. I know we talked a lot of strategy with like the open and stuff like that and also fitting it to what's good for you and having that plan where you always used to use something that was stronger is faster. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your belief there and why you think that, or why you preach that to a lot of people. So stronger is faster comes from just the the basic average power equation. Mm -hmm. And that's force times distance divided by time. So if you can, if I can move 200 pounds Mm -hmm. in a half a second and it takes someone else a whole second, then I'm literally working twice as fast as them. 
Right. So stronger is faster. The, so also being able to have the work capacity by having the strength. Um, increased strength increases your work capacity. It's just, I mean, if back to that same example and same formula, if let's say I can move 250 pounds in one second and you can only move 200 pounds in one second. Yes, 250 doesn't sound like a great number, but whenever you extrapolate that over a 12-minute workout, mm -hmm. um, by the time we hit fatigue, we're somewhere around the same level. We, we hit fatigue at about the same point. Right. So if I can move the same weight as you, um, and we're working generally in the same pace early, then your fatigue will kick in a little bit sooner than mine. So working strong being stronger to work faster is you can use it two ways you can literally work faster mm -hmm. or you can work longer so right that's something that's kind of echoed it's something that i didn't expect i guess it's i have a learning experience as this podcast has kind of gone along and this this is the season you're in my season of what i call crossover strength athletes as somebody who's excelled in all these different strength sports or whatever you want to call them in their different regards uh, to some degree and from you going from a geared powerlifting to CrossFit is not going to be a normal what you hear most people doing and then obviously get into Olympic lifting and you have such a diverse background as an athlete but something that's reigned pretty common is a strength reserve is never hurting people whether and that's now you're looking at strength going to something that's even con a conditioning aspect of a CrossFit it's that that strength reserve, you know, Derek talked about being a strong powerlifter made him made weightlifting easy. I had Preston Turner speak of the same thing. He came from an, as an IPF champion powerlifter now into weightlifting. And he's like, it's all about practicing my technique. Now I've got the strength, but yeah. it's interesting to see, like, I didn't think about that going into the season, but that's kind of been an underlying like message across this entire uh, podcast so far is, is strength is as funny as it is with Mark Bell says strength is never a weakness. It is that you see the strength reserve carrying over and benefiting everybody as they cross over from strength sport to strength sport. Yeah, yeah. So on that technique aspect, that 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 applies. Like if I have to perform the same movement over and over again, then my technique is going to falter as I get tired. If I'm stronger, then my ability to maintain technique lasts longer than someone else. Even if we're working at the same same rate, then by the end of the workout, the likelihood of me being able to maintain technique and get quote unquote good reps versus them getting no reps, it, that there's another advantage to why stronger is faster is because it may not. Let's just say the the weight on the bar is 65 pounds. Well, we're both going to be able to move 65 pounds really fast. There's only so. There's only so fast a barbell can move from your hip to your shoulders and say like a hand clean. Mm -hmm. So at 65 pounds, we may both have the exact same speed forever. But at the end, whenever his technique starts to fail and he, ha and he can't muscle clean and correctly rack the barbell in a front rack position uh, where he may have to start to dip to get extra energy from his leg drive um, or he may short shorten his cycling by extending his elbows forward to the bar and getting no rep. Right. So the extra time it takes him to start dipping to get leg leg drive to go from a muscle clean to a hang power to a hang power clean basically. Right. Um, 
that's time and time is valuable whenever it comes to a, a exercise for time. Uh, I've got a few other questions, and I know we we slowly need to start wrapping this up as we're both on a little bit of a time constraint because of jobs and work. Um, but I got a couple questions from Instagram, and then I kind of have one. I've got two kind. One kind of fits one of my questions I ask everybody, and I have a different one. Uh, I'm gonna start with my different one, and that is, what do you if you could go back and do it? What do you wish if you like your competitive career in strength sports was over today? What do you wish you would have accomplished? What's that one number that you wanted to make sure you hit that you, that you never got to hit? Oh, uh, I really wish I would have hit that deadlift. <laughs> all right. I'm glad I mean, we seriously, about that, man. I, yeah, I, I, I think about that all the time. Um, I did not know that was going to be my last meet. Yeah. Uh, I, I fully expected to start training, go home and start training. Nine, ten days afterwards, and I, I did, but I expected to set a new goal to come back, learn, learn to be better at deadlifting. I had already mastered the other two movements comparatively. Um, my, my deadlift was not, did not compare to a lot of guys in my weight class. My, my bench and my squat numbers carried my total, and my deadlift was always an afterthought. So, learning to have Deadlifted better and hit that one number. That's definitely the one that stands out the most. Um, gotcha. Um, it wasn't a PR. It wasn't a PR by any means, but it's. It wasn't that it wasn't a PR. It was that that one lift. You know, that still with that you. Ended, that ended on a sour note. You know. Yeah. I'm still. I'm with you there, man. I, I bombed and bench in that same meet. And uh, real quick, I'm not going to cut this out, but I don't know if something changed on your phone, but their volume sounds a little funny or the microphone's picking up a little funny. Um, we'll just, if, if it is, we I can still hear you, but it just is going to sound a little funny from here on out. So just know that something happened and if you're listening and we're just going to keep rolling with it. Um, but uh, all right. So one of the questions that came in from Instagram uh, came from Jacob Hoskins, one of my gym members. And I know you've been around this, and I've been around this. I actually had these conversations in the past couple of days at some of my gym members, but tested versus non-tested meets. Is everyone actually on something totaling big numbers? No. Yeah. There, volume's better now. So, um, yeah, so nobody, not everyone's on something. And you and I have been there. Um, I remember the first – I tell a story. I remember one of the meets I was at. It was a non-tested meet. And at the time, I lifted a meets and just told people – if I want to be the best, I'm going to lift against the best, pe- the strongest people there are. And I watched a dude like put a whole vial of something in his leg before deadlifts. And I was like, holy yep. shit, what is this? Uh, yep. And I don't think it is a necessity. I think there's some people out there doing phenomenally without any drugs. I think there's people that say they're not on drugs that are on drugs. Um, and to some degree, but I want to hear your response on that. Yeah. So uh, you and I come from, before uh, tested versus non-tested was even a real topic. Yeah. Like they were, every meet was quote unquote a tested meet at one point. <laughs> yeah. We would go to meet and it would say in the rules, you know, subject to drug test. And at that same meet, <laughs> you've got guys from hell, even other countries that are bending over so somebody can fill, fill a whole, a whole vial full not just a whole syringe, but a whole vial full in their butt. 
of right God knows what. Book. I'm still to this day, I'm like, what's going to help that fast? <laughs> like, from yeah, my knowledge of it, I'm like, what the hell? Green and orange and use two or three guys to get enough of it in him before he, you know, before the meat started. It was it. So, yes, I, I, I do think that there are a lot of guys out there that are using and abusing. There's a lot of guys out there that are using and hiding. And then there's a lot of guys um, that are just really, really strong at their um, at their base, even even if it's not the highest numbers like you can. When I say. Top, I'm not talking like the top two, three, four or five, I'm talking like when you look at the longevity, people who are holding the same numbers with small increments, those are the guys you know. Like you and I can tell. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gaining a hundred pounds a year on on a three lift total, you, you know that's that's pretty respectful for a while. But if you're gaining a hundred pounds on a total every year for ten years, yeah, there's something. About, thousand, you know, it's not just training. <laughs> that's a thousand pounds you've gained in ten years. I mean, I, I, I know it's probably possible, and I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but there's also guys who are who go year to year and gain 20 pounds, but they're still on the top because they've been on the top. Yeah. And then you see those guys who peak, and once they hit that peak, something happens and it crashes and they disappear. But the, the, longe- the ones with longevity, they're the ones that I say, yes, you can be a top-tier athlete and be drug-free and be successful, but – I think I think the biggest drug is what's inside your own head. So yeah, and I'll agree too to say that that I've been to both tested and non-tested meets, multiple meets in the past two three years since I've opened the gym. More more than not, you can absolutely tell a difference. Um, the numbers are definitely different from meet to meet, and I'll go out and just say it. Who gives a fuck? You know, if you're tested. Or, or if you if you're if you're drug free or or even if you live drug tested and you're not on drugs whatever the tested non tested free drug free if you're not on drugs lifting drug free meets if you want a more fair playing field if you're on shit there's plenty of non tested meets that you can do and nobody fucking judges you I mean you you can't argue I mean there's people that'll come out plain clean say like this is what I'm on and they're still popular and I'm using air quotes by all means and they'll tell you what they're taking. There's, I mean, uh, one of the guys that was one of the strongest deadlifters for the longest time was Pete Rubish. And he's got multiple videos out there about talking about his drug use. Larry wheels. Everybody loves Larry wheels. And he's said, I've been on drugs since I'm 15 or something like that. So it's not like it matters that much, but I definitely think you can see a difference in the numbers, but I do not contribute the number difference directly to that. It could just be that we've had numerous people. We've taken 15 people to the USPA Hickory Hickory classic in the fall. I can yeah. tell you that I know of almost every one of my lifters, if not all of them, because I don't know everybody's secrets, but <laughs> if they're all drug, we're all drug free and we're going to a non-tested meet. So you're going to be lifting against people that are definitely going to be on. So it's not like it doesn't make a difference. We're still going to lift and we still have people beating other people. And like the people that I know that are doing really well at that meet, I'm like, I know who's drug free. And so if they're still beating somebody on drugs, it doesn't have to be, a di- you know, make the difference there. Um, but yeah, so that's, I just, I don't know everybody's, you know, people might be keeping shit from me. I know most of my lifters that are drug, you know, they're drug free, still are lifting in both type of meats and it doesn't make too much of a difference when you're just strong. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I don't care if people use, 
it, it doesn't affect me personally. Yeah. Um, the only person who affects my numbers is me. So I don't know why people get caught up in chasing other people's um, other people's goals because that's what it is. That person has a goal to be a three thousand pound total lifter. Then why are you chasing three thousand pounds if you haven't even reached eighteen hundred pounds on your own? Yeah. So the f- don't get caught up. I love the competition is, and I want to see this. I know Brian Carroll's mentioned this before and spoke of this is I'd like to see more people get to where they're competing with one another in a meet and not just the total, but who lifts the most on that day. Um, and it, especially if you're close to somebody. So we have a couple guys in the gym right now that are kind of talking a little smack of who can get to a 1500 pound total first and stuff like that. So that's what I like to see is, Hey, maybe you're going, uh, cause you were doing it even at that XPC meet, uh, you were, there was some shit talking back on uh, what was called outlaw powerlifting for those that really want to get into some good shit talking for powerlifting, the message boards. But um, it was great because there's, I mean, it, it drove competition when you're talking smack that, hey, I'm going to lift at this meet against you. And it wasn't a drug, a drug, drug free drug question. It was just like, we're going to lift against each other and try to beat one another. Um, but yeah, so that's that question. And then this next question actually is the question I typically ask everyone. That's one of the hardest questions to ask, but one of my favorites. And this is a, from Harrison little who that motherfucker strong. Um, but Harry asked, what are the top three things you would have changed in training in the past? So I always ask that, you know, with what you know, now, what would you have done differently? That's tough. It's a tough one. So the reason why that's tough is because I feel like there's way more than three things. Yeah. Oh, so you're a little bit different. Because, like, Derek, for example, was like, I wouldn't change anything because it got me to where I am. You know, but I'm one that would, I would definitely talk about changing different things as well. Well, even if it's not three things, what's just one thing that comes to your mind that you would have done a little differently? Let's say training for geared powerlifting. Training for geared powerlifting. Um So this one's going to catch people off guard. All right. So um, even though I had a lot of success traveling back and forth and training with two different crews, um, find a home. Yeah. Don't be a journeyman. Um, Whether you like the people you train with or not, stick with a group of people. Okay. Um, Learn to be be their – their rock and let them understand that yes you're there for you but you're also there for them because um training alone sucks yeah training alone really sucks and i'm saying that because that's where i lost it like that's what happened i ended up having to train alone um because you jared graduated and moved Derek graduated and moved um travis moved um, I lost my training partner. He went through some personal things, and um, I lost lost him. Um, I tried to go back to the old group, and things weren't the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seen as an outsider and not part of the group. And I didn't realize I was an outsider when I was only training two days a week with him. But when I went back to four days a week, I could tell that I, it wasn't the same. And I neglected every single one of those guys that – um, I trained with because I thought it was about I thought it was about something that it wasn't about gotcha that's that's pretty profound man I, I really like that um and you know and it's and I've, I've done the same thing a little bit with people in here in Charlotte the people have talked to coming to my gym and 
I've directed people to go to other gyms. As dumb as that is, as dumb as a business move that is, it's an integrity move. And I've told people, you know, hey, you live three minutes from this gym and you're driving an hour to me. And I'm like, it's I'm all for having you. But let's look at the grand scheme of things. Like this gym is very similar to mine. You know, go train here. You know, um, whether it's been a good or bad thing, it's it's that integrity move that I've tried to have, you know, pushing people to the right place. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of wrap it up on that, man. I've got a couple lightning round questions that I ask everybody. I enjoy doing these and we'll um, we'll tie this up and get out of here right before 10 o'clock. All right. Let's go. All right. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. Easy. That was easy. Um, favorite beer. Oh, current favorite? I'm sure. So, um, I don't know what a current favorite is. My favorite brand, I, I'm a fan of the new Sarm out of uh, Salisbury. I like everything they make. Um, I, whatever their um, current batch is, is what I'm buying. Awesome. That's a North Carolina local beer, so that's good. Uh, so, if you could only train one lift for the rest of your life, what would it be? Squat. That was easy. Man, you're, you're killing these right now, man. Um, why the squat? Real quick and short. Oh, I just love it. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Let me just short expansion. Uh, so, biggest muscle group other than that. I mean, biggest muscle group, largest range of motion. So, in my eyes, burns the most calories per lift, okay. per rep. There you go. Uh, and then my last one is what's been your favorite competition you've ever done or really the, your favorite place you've ever traveled to for a competition? Uh, my favorite competition I've ever done was the, um, beer to beat down with my wife, charity. We competed together as a couple and that was absolutely my favorite. Um, I got to one of the, one of the, one of the, um, events was a snatch and clean and jerk and run workout mm -hmm. they brought in air runners and we got to lift and i mean we had to run i didn't like it but we had to um and we both outlifted i think we outlifted every single couple there uh, both the men and women so That's pretty sweet yeah it was <laughs> well awesome man well man we'll uh i'm sure i'll have you back on for something at some point on this podcast it's as what i've said with everybody is i'm sure it's going to keep evolving and I got to go to my yeah. go-tos and uh, I thank you for being able to sit down and take some time out of this crazy busy schedule. And obviously my schedule has been crazy with this current coronavirus situation, but uh, yeah. man, I, I really appreciate it. And it's fun to relive some of these stories and talk about training and stuff like that. So thank you for being able and willing to share this with my audience as small or large as it really is. And uh, good luck, man, especially with, with the new job and, and obviously managing this life situation right now good luck with all this and stay safe man yeah I'd, um i would really like to get a chance to um the next time we talk do a couples yeah since we kind of are a power couple and she's she's just as athletic as i am if not more absolutely <laughs> i think she's more athletic and i think a lot of people don't give her enough credit you've seen her yeah um she's come she's come to your um She's super toed her really well, um, and she's just, I mean, she's always been an athlete for as long as I've known her. Yeah, we just got to convince her to do a full power meet. <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, uh, well, I'll let you go, man. Look, 10 o'clock on the dot. Right. That worked out, yep, um, and I'll catch up with you soon, bud. See you. Later, man.